What's up, everybody? Before we get into this episode, I want to give it some context. We recorded this a couple months ago, uh, and it was right at the beginning of COVID, so you may hear some references to the beginning of quarantine. So anything we reference about coronavirus or COVID and it sounds dated, that's because it is. And as we were all back then, we were quite uninformed. So just a reference, it's in a pretty impactful moment that happened this spring that I lost a really big sale and I was pretty fired up about it. So hopefully you get to feel that. And my guess is a lot of you, if you're in sales, you know exactly how that feels. So enjoy it. We bout that inner fulfillment, sipping the cab, never spilling. Pinot Merlot, in any way the grape can give us that feeling. Business and marketing and sales revealing all of their realness. Health is wealth, are you with me? We talking wellness and chilling. Spilling anything but a drop. It's important to tell, it's not just about cash, but it's about doing more for yourself. So pour a glass, don't have to share with anyone else. Leave your problems on the shelf. You tuning in to wine and wealth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wine and Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Leone, and as always, across the table from me is my buddy and producer, Mr. Alex Stiff. How are you, bud? Doing well, sir. Howdy, howdy. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm feeling uh, wealthy because I am healthy. That is right. Which, uh, from our last episode, which we won't harp on too much, I'm still COVID-19 free. And you? Same. Good. Good, good, good. I think the amount of wine that I have partaken during self-proposed quarantine and podcasting certainly helps kill off any diseases that could be coming my way. Anyways, and I was gonna say, I think enough um, music venue bathrooms and public transit has gotten me safe. So, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know some of those venues you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> We're looking at you, Milestone, Charlotte, North Carolina. They know it too. Yeah. So, anyways, as uh, you know, the basis of this podcast is, you know, we, we talk about wealth strategies and sales strategies because that's that's what I do. And we do it over a glass of wine. Uh, I got to talk about something that we don't love to talk about. And it just happened. And I'm going to fall on the sword. And I'm, I, I got to tell you, Alex, mm-hmm. this is uh, I'm not going to pretend that this is going to be a joyful conversation. I'm not going to be over because I'm pissed. But I'll tell you what has changed about me in my sales career from now to maybe 15 years ago. Okay. I'm pissed off at myself. Oh. (laughs) I'm not pissed off at my prospect because and probably 15 years ago, I would have blamed them for making a bad decision that wasn't me, right? Okay. But I really made a mistake myself. So I'm going to outline. So the basis of this of this. Um, podcast today is I just lost a deal and it's a pretty big one. Um, it was almost fifty grand. Wow! So let's let's just put it in context. I'm not talking about a couple hundred bucks or thousand bucks. This was a this could have been a nice little bump for the summer. <clears throat> so <laughs> maybe yeah, yeah, maybe, just I a little. Have, maybe I should have another sip of <laughs> yeah, wine before yeah. we go into this. <laughs> yeah. But look, it is cathartic to talk about this mm-hmm. one. Two, I've already had this conversation with someone else I trust uh, as a postmortem, what I did right and what I did wrong. And three, I learned something that I should have done was I should have had a conversation about my strategy 
earlier. Like before a decision was about to be made, I should have run my proposal, my strategy, how the conversations had gone up to this point with someone else and my ego and my uh, desire to carry something from point A to point B without any help uh, caught me this time. It doesn't get me all the time. You know, sometimes that competitiveness, it works and it doesn't bite me in the ass too much. This time it bit me in the ass. So let me give you the backstory. This is a client that I had already done a training program for a couple years ago and they loved it. Uh, great reviews. And in fact, um, I was asked to come speak at a national sales meeting uh, for a convention, actually. So, it, you know, that's a, it's a show of trust when you do a sales training program someone in that room goes hey i'm on the board of this thing that hires speakers come speak to our group and then they they grew a lot they sold a lot so the program was also effective so it's been a couple years and they've made some acquisitions they keep growing and i get an email from someone who was not my primary buyer not the ceo who was my primary buyer the first time and I'm I'm gonna just I'll call her Sue to keep everyone's names uh, anonymous. And Sue said, "Hey, you know, John, the CEO, told me to reach out. Mm. We want a program that focuses on account management. We've been selling a lot, and they said get you in here in like a couple weeks. So immediately I'm going, okay, so this is kind of in the bag. They want me back. Yeah, and." Mistake one, I'll identify the mistakes as I go through this. Okay. Identifying the mistake. Assuming that that meant I had already sold it and I began to throw out every single strategy and technique and part of my own personal sales process out the window. And this can this happens so many times. And I this is what what's shameful about this. I'm in front of the room telling a lot of people, if you were to tell me that, hey, this sale's in the bag, all I'm waiting for is the contract. My my antennas are going off from the outsider looking in going, mm -hmm. hold on, let's think about what could go wrong. Right? But because you're the one doing it, exactly, you Exactly, know. right? And uh, you're not an expert in your own backyard so many times. So in my mind, oh, they've had me before. They love me. They're, they're coming back for kind of a round two. And that, and that does feel like there's a bit of comfort and... Um expectation to that especially in your field the word is assumptions yeah i made assumptions so yes there kind of is that that's the other thing that catches you off guard so if someone calls you back the assumption is they already know how much they paid for me my fee is mm -hmm. the same yeah it hadn't gone up in a couple years and so sue is we know we have a great conversation and i said well who else is in on this decision because i know john was part of this, but he's clearly delegated this to you as part of the executive team. She said, well, I'm going to just call him, his name's not Larry, but Larry's <laughs> such a great name. I'm going to use love it. it. Larry. Well, Larry is also ahead of this. So we kept trying to get Larry on the phone, and he missed a couple calls, and he hopped in on a call and was real brief because they had just made another acquisition, And but Larry remembered me. Larry was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I loved your program. It was great. And... He said, you know, we just need help with X, Y, and Z. And I said, okay. So the whole time I'm believing that they know I can handle 
And, and so Sue's saying, look, what we want is not a flash in the pan program. Like last time, we want a one-year kind of outlook. Can you put together a project? And so the mistake, too, was I did just that. I outlined a project, and I priced out that project. So, so mistake, two was I quoted a price to an unsold buyer. I did not ask the question, if I do that, is, and, it's, and it checks off all your boxes, is that all you need to see for me to move forward? Right. So so, that, so so explain that process a little bit. So, so where you, was the mess up there? What you want to do is you want to uncover an objection before you get to any. You want to withhold your goods. The the one thing that you have in a balance of power in sales is a solution and a price. They can't say no if they don't have those things. Mm-hmm. So the process early is to begin to uncover all the players. Right, I should have talked to John. I should have had a more poignant conversation with Larry instead of letting Sue hold the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I should have dug in a little bit deeper by identifying their criteria for purchase, defining that, uncovering a little bit deeper why that was the case, and then asking a closing question early that if I provided a one-year outline and priced it out accordingly, they were ready to move forward. Because instead, I said, I'm happy to price it out. Do you have a budget? And they said, well, no, not really. And the thing that caught me off guard, she said, is this like, are we talking like 100000 or hundreds of thousands of dollars? I said, no, you'll be well under a hundred grand. So I'm, think, I'm price conditioning my own brain going, eh, 50 grand are going to think this is, this is nice. Yeah. I priced it out appropriately and I didn't extort anything. I didn't move it up to a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I get an email today that they went in a different direction with another company mm. solely based on cost, which is the last mistake I made. In the proposal, the only number they were looking at was the price. I did not dollarize my solution, even though I did ask them, what would a 1% increase in account retention mean to your business, which would be hundreds of thousands of dollars? I needed to put that in the proposal. So I could say, look, I will, I will guarantee bare minimum one percent increase in account retention. So it will double your investment on this immediately because I can do that with my eyes closed. Right. And I'd actually built in a program that was long term, leadership driven, assessment driven. And because I made so many assumptions along the way, I did not get the criteria of John. Uh, I did not further get into the separate criteria of Sue and Larry. Yeah, Sue made a decision that was price conscious, mm-hmm. and you know it's, she's making a mistake, and it was my fault because I didn't guide her through her own buying process. So uh, today I fall on the sword. So, so on that one though, when you you said that the main thing they were looking at was the the price, and that was one of the main things yeah, well, that kind of made them. If I take the email for what at face value, she said. Uh, we decided to go in a different direction with another company mm-hmm. based on cost. Right. So, so what would your, what would you have done differently to combat that cost? Because it seems as if you, at least, attempted to find that out by asking, like, what was their budget and this, that, and the other, and you at least pinpointed a little bit of what their wants and needs were, so you were able to come up, you know, with this plan. So it yeah. feels like you did kind of make some of those steps you may be kind of kicking yourself a for. Little, so. No, no, no. I totally effed it up. I, I shot out a proposal via email. Huge no-no. Okay. Right? 
You definitely want that in person. Well, yeah, I should have done it over a Zoom call. I mean, they're in middle of Illinois, so it's hard for me to go through Some sort of connection. Right. Um, Although, worth maybe considering making a trip. I've never actually thought of that. It's not Mm -hmm. been a necessity in my business, but I'd... If it maybe topped out over, you know, 50, 60 grand, I would certainly think about making a personal trip. Um, might be, now that you've said that, it might be something to identify as changing. But the reality is what should have happened was I, I should have gone through a process with Sue alone, getting her criteria and doing what we call 3Ding it, which is di- defining it and uncovering why it's important to her personally. Then gone to Larry. Mm-hmm. Had a separate conversation with Larry because I had a co-conversation with Sue and Larry. Got separate it. conversation with Larry. Larry, what's your criteria for this? How are you going to choose who provides the service? And how are you going to choose what it looks like? I had already assumed that they've chosen who's going to supply it. That was the mistake. They okay. had not chosen that yet. That was an assumption. And gotten his criteria to find it how he defines the success of that and what's the motivation for him personally then gone to john right. john we've worked together before but i want to make sure that uh, we're in line this is the criteria that your your company's going to bat with is it in line with what you want or is your criteria different who should i listen to and on top of that i should have talked about price in those criteria something else i didn't do i assumed because they had already paid my fee last time they knew how much i charged right so i should have had a price conversation before the price to kind of get their sensitivity to that then you ask a closing question hey john larry sue if if i if i crawl into my cave and build a one-year program specifically for your company Mm -hmm. and it's what you want are you ready to move forward in like april right that should and they would they would have most likely either said yes or well we got to see if it's in budget and that would have opened the door to the well what is your budget you haven't given it to me well we don't know well what would be the thing that scares you away am i being compared to another company will that be how you determine what the budget is am i the first number you've ever seen will i have an opportunity to negotiate it will i have an opportunity to do a side by all these questions Mm -hmm. could have been talked about before i ever talked about the actual price instead i built the one-year program and fired it off in an email assuming because interestingly enough she i was getting pressured she's like we want this done like yesterday can you send this off to me immediately and i did and i obliged Mm -hmm. and that was again a big mistake so one of the things you did uh you pinpointed was you should have spoken with uh sue and larry separately instead of doing a little joint conversation and then speaking with um guy number three yeah which it seems like a who just said john whatever john. um john's the owner of the yeah, company exactly so he would be the one you would go to last anyway but yeah this, so you explained speaking with sue getting her wants and needs to set in the other and then doing the same thing for larry how much of a difference or actually, let me rephrase that. What sort of difference would you have received interviewing them or asking them questions separately instead of together in a group where they could have maybe bounced off each other? Well, the only reason I say separate was because Larry was hard to get a hold of. Okay. So just logistically, it would have been smarter to not be beholden to Sue mm-hmm. and Larry. Like Got getting it. two people together. If I'm in person, mm-hmm. I have no problem getting their separate criteria 
in a in a meeting. Like right. if if it's Alex and somebody else next to you, and you're both making a decision, I'll have this conversation with you both. Of you, I'll say, look, separately, write down your criteria, and then we'll compare them. We'll see how far off you guys were, okay. and then we'll agree on a top five list. And okay, then yeah, I, I will that. base off my off that master list my proposal and solution. But for this, it was more like if I had to rewind it, it was logistically. I would have said, Sue, cool, I got what you need. I got Larry's email. I'm going to book a time with him, and then we'll book a third. And that would have been the setup. We'll book a final meeting, and I'll walk you through the proposal. Mm, there you go. And I didn't have a chance to pulse check, which is, you know, hey, this is the first program. This is how much it is. Does that is that in line with what you want? Is this is this kind of where you see that program hitting home with your team? Will you have the availability for three day program? Pulse check, yes or no? Well, and then they could have said, "Well, no, we're not." That's a little more than I thought it was. I could have had all those little micro opportunities to negotiate, mm-hmm. and instead, I the whole the power was all in their hands, and the amount of mistakes for this is going to sound egotistical, but the amount of mistakes for my skill set is embarrassing, man. It's just it's egregious when you really kind of pancake them, right? And it just goes to show you that the best of us, because I don't lose a lot. I don't want to sound like I'm this egomaniac saying that. I just don't lose a lot. That's why I'm passionate as I'm speaking this out. I'm really competitive. I don't like losing to it. It's actually not the 50 grand. Like, I'm not going to live and die on a $50,000 deal. But, you know, I like to win, especially when it was my customer. Now the customer's not mine anymore. And that really makes me mad. So you were saying already, you know, you, you haven't had a lot of failures. This doesn't happen a lot. What made this one different? It was the first one where I really allowed emotion to torpedo a process that I know has worked and is proven. Was it just because you felt comfortable in it? Of course. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I, um, you know, the, the way the lead came in out of nowhere, you know, mm-hmm. like they just emailed me out of a couple years that we haven't talked to each other. Hey, Bob told me, well, I use his real name. Sorry, Bob, but nobody knows the, <laughs> the way, the way John uh, reached out and I seen the email from John to mm-hmm. Sue. Yeah. I was like, okay. So John's saying, call mm-hmm. Tony. It's, again, it, it, I, it goes back to the amount of assumptions I made. And I should, and we talked about this a little bit on the last episode about the coronavirus stuff. I didn't play the what if game. It, it could have, it would have been a thirty-minute exercise. What could go wrong? What if this happens? What if there is another company at play? What if this is above what they thought that they would be paying? Mm-hmm. What if I just send this proposal and and I don't have an opportunity? And I bailed on everything that I know works that I'd use when it's a brand new customer that I'm a stranger to, mm-hmm. right? When it's a stranger, I go into my strategy, my own personal sales strategy, the whole mode, because I know it works, it saves me a lot of time, it's easy, it gets the customer what they want, I get the outcome I want, price is almost never an issue when we get down to it. This was one of the ones where it, uh, an amount of time had passed, mm-hmm. someone called me back, and was doing well and and was kind of hot and uh i just 
So it just felt like it was almost the perfect storm scenario. It's like, oh, well, the seeds that I sowed all these years ago are starting to blossom and they're coming back because they need some more fertilizer. Exactly. <laughs> and I just made some other sales, some decent ones. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> yeah, man, it's in the atmosphere, right? Because like, you, could, you could be like, man, just the energy out there right now is like I'm, I'm selling, I'm, I'm working, I'm doing outreach. Mm -hmm. Boom, another one pops in. This is very serendipitous. Everything that that, that you know, Socrates said. If you speak it into existence, I don't know if Socrates actually said that, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Like how they speak it into existence. Speak yeah. it into existence. Like, or if you just get the traction out there, mm -hmm. things will start. To, the universe will speak. Yeah, I was totally in on that. I was like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I got torpedoed down to earth, and it cost me a ton of money, and I'm, I'm pissed off, man. I'm pissed off, but I will say the good news is. In initial reaction, mad at myself. Right. Second reaction, call the person I trust to do a postmortem on this, to say, "Hey, here's what happened. What do you think?" Before I identify what I did wrong, what do you think I did wrong? And I sent this person a proposal, and they were like, "Well, this is," they they, they chopped up that, and I was like, "Shit," a couple things, and uh, I was able to swallow my ego. Eagle, ego, <laughs> and fall on the sore a little bit. So, yeah. <sighs> you ever have one of those, man? Oh, absolutely. God, I, I was trying to sit here and actually think of one that would be kind of relatable because it does feel like in a lot of situations, you know, I'll hear you kind of explain some stuff and I can relate, but it's never in such a way where it's like, Fifty thousand dollar deal or anything like that. It's it's over. Day, you know, we'll get you oh, there one day. One day. No, I, I, I definitely can relate with you on that. Where it's like in hindsight, you look back at it and you're like, there are so many glaring things that I could have done better in all of this, and it probably would have given me a better outcome. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I've been stressed today, but I've been trying to channel it in the you stress, which is useful stress, mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, just kind of with, with the coronavirus thing that we talked about on the last episode, and then this, I'm like, you know, the one. Th there's two things that happen. One, I learned to never bail on my own process, mm -hmm. my sales process and strategy. Hard lesson to learn, but it'll save me millions of dollars down the road. Yep, on a bigger deal. So I'm grateful for that. That it wasn't a two hundred fifty thousand dollar deal, which could very well be the case many times. Yeah. The other thing is, if I had a system where I looked at my online sales and there's a couple hundred bucks rolling in every hour without me having to do anything, mm -hmm. these things would sting a little bit less. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, time to get your ass in gear. Between coronavirus and losing that one, if you want to lessen the pain of some of these situations, get your offline game into gear. And, and every everyone has that thing. I'm not telling salespeople to go out there and get a side hustle. You know, side hustles are either, if you have a cap on your commission, then you might have to side hustle. But if, if you don't, they can tend to be a distraction. Yeah. So I wouldn't suggest everyone going, oh, Tony told me to go out and do a side hustle. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying is if there's areas in your game that could be tidied up, which is going to Toastmasters, right, to increase your presentation skills or actually going to give a talk at a networking event about whatever topic it is that you sell and how it can relate to 
you know, your community. Things like that that you can button up to be more well-known, leverage your own value, increase the, your own price of your services, all those things. Um, yeah, because I was actually about to ask, you know, when something like that happens, I'm sure it doesn't make you just not only evaluate what you did wrong in that scenario, but it kind of makes you sit back and maybe take stock of how you've been going about things and how you would be going about things in the future, being like, okay, well, if I'm already being self-aware on this, what are some other yeah. areas I can improve on? Well, here's the scary thing. Think about this. And this is, this is also the first thing I thought about. You can do a lot of things wrong and still win. And you do a lot of things right and still lose. And if I had won this deal, it could almost have done more harm. Okay. Think about it. I identified a ton of very, like, if as I laid them out there, you go, well, yeah, Tony, you're a dumbass. Those were a lot of <laughs> sales mistakes you just made. Yeah, and, and I mean, someone that's not even in the field, there were a few of it's like small things you mentioned where I was like, well, you did do that, and you're yeah. like, no, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> If I'd won the deal, my cognitive dissonance, which we've talked about before, mm -hmm. would then lay over into the next one. And this may have happened to a couple, because I was on a roll before this loss, which may have made me complacent. Yeah. Now, if the next one's 100 or 200 grand, um, I'm gonna be sharp as a tack. It's gonna be, obviously, after walking through this scenario, the next one's gonna be really, really sharp. Mm -hmm. And you know, you. These are the things where you can't quantify the value of this lost deal is just fifty grand. You got to quantify it as. Eh, thank God it was only a fifty thousand dollar deal, not the the big one that's coming up. Hopefully, in the next six months to a year. Mm -hmm. And you know, the one of my customers, uh, his name is I won't say his last name, but Chris. I don't want to take credit for his comment, but he he's the one who always said, you know, don't mi mistake a good outcome for a good decision. He, he says, you could have a couple drinks and drive home and not get in a wreck or not get a ticket. It wasn't a good decision. The outcome might have been okay, but it wasn't a good decision. And that's what his preface is for sales strategy. Don't mistake some of the, you know, you might have won it mm -hmm. because you work for the best company in our space and you tend to be a pretty logical decision and you have good financial backing on, on what you offer. But you could have done a lot of things wrong. So if you want, you want to marry the two. Yeah. You want the good strategies to marry into the to the good company, and there's the win-win. Mm -hmm. And that's where sales become really easily easy at the end. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's it's all good. No, yeah, that makes absolute sense. And and I think that also a situation like this, because that's something I kind of asked about um, <clears throat> uh, in group message, but. What would you say are some of the things that you do to kind of help get yourself back into a rhythm of work? Is I almost kind of relate it to like going to the gym. I actually do go in, I do enjoy going to the gym, but it's been well over five years since I've stepped foot in it because it's a situation of when I get in there, I enjoy it, I feel good afterward, it gets me motivated. But then the following day, it's the I have to get myself back to the gym again to the point where if I can like knock it out for like two weeks straight, I get in that rhythm and then it's like now I feel bad if I don't go. Mm -hmm. Would you say there's anything that you can kind of put in relation to either sales technique or sales in general that 
you can easily fall out of that just kind of takes you a minute to get back into whether it be follow-up calls emails pitching a certain way yeah i'll, I'll say the natural progression for most salespeople, and this is <clears throat> no different for myself is the reason you won a lot like if you had a good month is because you worked your ass off the first the previous 30 to 60 days on the outreach and that's any salesperson hearing this isn't going oh my god it's so profound right but if it's if it's so simple in nature why doesn't everybody do it Mm -hmm. it's because and this is where you know time management training started to come into play Time management training is kind of bullshit. You kind of know what you should be doing and when you should be doing it. You're just not really doing it. Yep. It's are you putting in the systems early that help you operate those? Like, mm-hmm. And then is someone holding you accountable? So for me, I've put in some systems in place. I've got some people holding me accountable. Mm-hmm. And even when I'm winning on the back end now because I've gotten busy, I have to hire some people to right. maybe fill in some of that. I've brought in Ashley to, to kind of fill in some of that space. But for the most part, I'm all good with knowing that if I, if I were to just take it all on my own and not fill the pipeline on mm-hmm. the front end, it's, I'm just going to have another down month because of low activity. Right. So, so that, so the action almost kind of keeps, you leveled in that regard is to not get to yeah well yeah. I've, I've suffered the consequences of the roller coaster mm-hmm. let's do a pause I got the app you can lock up yeah think about thank you for asking we're 28 minutes cool so, I mean, that's a look. Every salesperson out there knows what I'm talking about. The the pain of implementing a, a system has been greater than the pain of losing right now, currently. Like, if you haven't done it, it's because, and this is the fear of a great economy. Most salespeople, you should be at least killing it mm-hmm. because sales are are coming at you. They're not that hard, right? They're I don't want to say they're not hard. That's that's um, disrespectful because sales is hard no matter what. But they're not as hard as like 08, 09, 2010, 2011. Those were where you had to be incredibly skilled to to have your services sold. Right, right. now, most companies are flush. They're growing, and if you have a service to sell, there's cash to be spent on your service if mm-hmm. you can provide the value and tell people you're the best. So. My fear is people go, oh, well, I don't need a system because I'm selling enough. I'm hitting quota, exceeding quota, and it's I'm not having to change anything. It's when we have a, a hit. I'm not even talking about a coronavirus hit. I'm talking <laughs> like oh, just a slight kind of dip where people starting to tighten up a little bit. Yeah. Where your skills are going to have to win out. You're going to wish those systems were in place and you were good at them. Yeah. So now, quite frankly, because we're doing well and because hopefully your sales team or you as a salesperson – you're hitting quota pretty consistently. You're you're hitting your whatever top tier award system you have. Now's the time to get it in place while the getting's good. Mm-hmm. While you got some cash in your pocket and you can, you know, afford to. It, it feels like we're kind of going down this path anyway. But since you've already fallen on your sword, you've repented, you've you've done everything you need to. Yes. What would you say is one of the more 
predominant issues that you see among sales training and salesmen that you have learned in the past that would be maybe your bit of wisdom to impart on the larger scale God, dude, so or at least many. one of them like one of the main things that just really sticks with you like, like why are you people still doing this <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work it's been proven not to work uh i think there's a general problem of people thinking that their product or solution differentiates them okay like, how so like whatever it is they sell or whatever service they provide makes them different and the reality is a, a customer has a hard time differentiating you and unless you provide enough reasons up front like so if i were to sell let's just say i'm gonna sell you this bottle of wine uh-huh. and i'm gonna go look this is a 2016 a low die mm-hmm. old vines in right look at the label it's got this sweet burnt thing at the bottom Mm -hmm. 15 percent. all right right this is uh it comes from california bottled by livermore i mean this is one of the wickedly delicious symphondale born from a catholic school upbringing and our winemakers lust for hedonistically seductive wine this flagship old vines in hails from enville Lodi Appalachian, this is the best wine you can get for under twenty dollars. Right? <laughs> this wine is the reason you want to drink a glass of wine. All right? right. So that's that would be now. Here comes Alex and he's got uh, a cab. Mm-hmm. Right? And this cab's from Italy. This cab hails from the northern Alps of Italy. It's fourteen point seven percent, which is perfect for that region it is it is christened by angels from the pope himself who has denounced all sins and if you drink this wine alex if you drink this wine you yourself will be healed of all wrongdoings even if you have more than one glass you will be forgiven right and it is only 21 dollars mm-hmm how do you differentiate which glass you want? Uh, from a very basic elementary kind of pulling it off the top, you mentioned the first one is under 20 and you said the second one was 21. So I have a feeling that the mass majority of folks will be going for the one that they heard is under $20 okay. instead of you giving them the exact maybe. number. Maybe, maybe. So that's one mm-hmm. is I, will never go above a twenty dollar bottle. That's one. Right. There's another Even but- though the examples you gave of the second one, the twenty one dollar yeah. bottle, sounded like it would be better and more grand and just larger in scope and scale. Right. At least for who I am as a person, if we're not talking about what twenty if I and twenty one dollars if fifteen dollars versus twenty one dollars. Then at that point see see I think it's a little bit more difficult for me to answer on this one simply because I'm looking at it from a few different angles. My mind immediately goes, okay, well, 
everything they just listed off on that second $21 bottle. That just sounds like a bunch of hooey. The first one at least sounds a little bit more grounded. I think I might be able to get a little bit more of the true response out of that. Though the other one only is $2 more, and if it truly is everything they're saying it is, there's value in only that $2 more price tag. So what you're saying is you're having a hard time differentiate between the two? Uh, in this example, yes. In a sales situation, I would be asking more questions, right. getting more details on both products to kind of weed through what may be some flowery speak so to get down to them. this is most salespeople sell. Okay. They go, well, they might ask, well, what kind of wine do you like? Are you, do you, are you a wine drinker by nature or do you drink wine only on special occasions? That might be the extent of like the wine. And then they go into, well, let me tell you about my wines. Mm -hmm. Instead, the process that I would take you through to give you the exact bottle of wine that you're going to love mm -hmm. is what differentiates me as the consultant to the service. So instead, if I went, how many times do you drink wine? Let's say, are you a weekly, monthly, daily, right? right. So I'd pinpoint that. So do you have a certain budget for your wine? Right. If you were to buy a wine from someone like myself, mm -hmm. would you err on the side of, you know, maybe a little bit more expensive based on my knowledge, or would you still want to find a bottle that's really consistent in the price range you prefer? Right. I'm, I'm all dissecting their criteria. Do you like more tannins? Do you like higher? Do you like lower alcohol content? What kind of, do you know what balance is? Would mm -hmm. you like some intro? Like, so <clears throat> these are all questions I'm asking. By the time I would get done 20 or 25 of those questions, I say, I got the perfect bottle for you. Based on what you told me, mm -hmm. now if I'm gonna go. I gotta go dig it out. It's like in catacomb number three <laughs> of the cellar. But if I go all the way through there and get it, and it's 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 clearly at, you know in your price range, the we can't open it and taste it, man. Like you have to just trust me. Right? Or will will you, you ready to buy that bottle of wine? Is that a fair question? Oh yeah, it's an absolutely fair yeah. question, yeah. And you're gonna go, well yeah, sure. Or, well I gotta talk to my wife. Oh, okay, well let me get her palate too because I don't want you to buy this bottle of wine mm. just based on your palate. Mm. Right. So let's go get her real quick or let's schedule another, I'd be happy to, right? So this is right. what it should be. This process is the differentiation. So it isn't the actual product, it's, it's not, the amount, it's the sell. Bingo. It's the, it's the journey you go through together with the salesperson and the customer, mm -hmm. a very symbiotic journey that differentiates me and my right. product. Because the reality is m most people, if you look at their, like you as a salesperson, look at your top three competitors in your space, you all have a pretty similar product or service, yep. right? You can, and, and you can all go throw back and forth mud at each other and tell you why you're better, but mm -hmm. there's, and the reality is people have a hard time paying a premium for something they believe that top three can get them. So they're looking at the best value, which is, not, again, not rocket surgery or anything profound for most salespeople. They know they want to sell value, but what yeah. does that actually mean? The value is in, did I further identify your problem, issue, or need instead of just say, hey, Tony, I want a new bottle of wine to try this weekend. And I would have gone out and given you like, three different bottles to choose from and then well hey oh by the way i got another rep coming in right behind you and they're gonna mm -hmm. do the same thing and you're gonna mm -hmm. go 
well, I think those two wines from each rep were about the same, but Tony's was a little bit cheaper, so I'll just go with that one. You're left up to differentiate right. and not go, Dan, that process Tony took me through to get me the one bottle or the two bottles that I could choose from in the range of the criteria I gave him, That's I'm not even going to ask the other guy to come in. And that's the biggest thing. The The real problem is, and this happens, you ask, like, what's the most blanketed problem for most salespeople? Yeah. It's when a salesperson's been in their industry for a while and they know how to walk into a customer or prospect. They can see the problem they have. They've seen it a hundred times. They know how to fix it. And they tell the customer their problem and how they would fix it. Mm, they don't they don't walk them through and have them explain it to you so you can be relatable throw it back with them and go okay well I do understand these issues opening up the line of communication making sure that they feel heard and understood and not that you're just barking at them and saying this is what you need this is what you need because people like to feel that they're in control even if they truly aren't and, and sometimes people can actually they, they, someone that's actually almost semi-admitted to that before. You're figuring this out as you're talking it out. Yes, but no, because I've had these sort of thoughts before. Right. I'm just I'm opening back up those pages yeah, to the yeah. thought processes I've had in the past. Right. But no, I've I've had people at my day job just trying to do basic, basic, basic customer service assistance. That at the end of the day, they honestly just really want you to explain to them why they think what they like is best. So yeah. the flip around the roundabout way on that one exam, what you said is asking them, communicating with them, talking with them so that they make sure they feel heard. They've gotten everything out that they need. Mm -hmm. And then you have the chance to be able to rework that in your mind to make them believe rightfully so, especially yeah. in your case, that your product and your service is the absolute best for them because you actually took that time. Right. The, the term we use is people don't argue with their own data. And if they speak it out to existence, you can attach your solution to that yeah. to the data. The other thing is, you know, we everyone has a reason why they're coming to you for something. And we don't ask what that is enough. Like why is this important? Why are you why are you coming to me for for this? Like you I know I know you sell like e cigarettes yeah. and, and vape. Like there's a reason people are coming in there, whether it's I want to be cool, I'm getting made fun of at school, mm -hmm. like yeah. <laughs> or I want to quit smoking. Like there's all kinds of reasons. Like right. we can make all kinds of assumptions. Everyone has a different why and we don't we take for granted, oh well hey, this one's got this and this does this. This one mm -hmm. will win you the national vaping competition which is hilarious <laughs> it's hilarious trying to watch you talk about stuff you have no knowledge am i on. wrong they have a vaping comp it's a, it's years ago sir you're see you you people you people <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you're gonna totally like okay boomer me aren't you <laughs> like the, no i seriously hate that term the 37 year old uh, boomer whatever yeah I no, I, I, no, I totally do. But you get, know what I mean? No, because yeah. because again, especially in that field, there are so many things that perform and work exactly the same. I mean, in, in absolute layman's terms, you have a battery and then the little thing on top that has your e-liquid. Yeah, that's every device. You press the button and inhale like you're smoking a cigarette. There's really not a big difference between right. all of them, but 
we carry like 70, 80, 100 different batteries, wow. you know, over 100 different tanks, uh, over 500 different e-liquid flavors, and that's the only thing that's really different. Yeah. <laughs> but everything else acts and performs the exact same way. The only difference is, is like an iPhone and an Android. If you have an iPhone, you have to get the iPhone accessories. If you have an Android, you have to have the Android accessories. Wow. That's the only difference. Fascinating. But we'll get you out of that business pretty soon. I want to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I uh, I will say this. This was cathartic. Yes. I'm glad I was able to speak it into existence. A couple glasses of wine yes. over it helped. Um, but but look, and anyone listening, I know. Look, I know you felt it. I know it hurts. Just uh, I'll tell you what I'm about to do, which is I'm about to go kill it. I'm about to go make sure a that never happens again. And B, I'm going to go try and get five to ten more people of that caliber and get it back. And that's, that's what right. we do. That's what we do in sales. And that's what we do as professionals. Provide the value, do great work, and have what we call the RA factor. RA factor. The rubber ass. <laughs> when, you get hit, when you get down, bounce back up. And that's what I'm going to do. And uh, so with that, I think we should sign off, my brother. You got, any, you got anything else for the people? Ah, rubber ass should have been the name of the show. Well, maybe it will be. <laughs> the RA Factor. All right, folks. It was a fun one. I appreciate you listening to my pains and ills. I am not perfect, even though I am self-proclaimed sales master. Even the masters make mistakes. All right, folks. Until next time, happy selling. Happy selling.